We live in a bizarro world, don't we? Quite the bizarro world, indeed. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. You got your, you open up on there, maestro. Um, I, if you, whoever you like for president is fine with me. I may not agree with you, but if they're on the ballot and if they made it on the ballot legitimately, then if you vote for them, I got no issues with it just because you don't agree with me. That doesn't, you know, as long as we sort of coalesce and go together when it comes down and it's really time to get in detail with these guys, as long as we can get cohesive, I'm happy. However, getting out there and trying to restrict Trump from being on any ballot, and I don't care if it's Trump, I don't care if it's Haley, I don't care if it's DeSantis, I don't care if it's Christie, trying to restrict them from being on any ballot is disenfranchisement. This takes, and with Colorado, what they've done effectively is anybody want to vote for Trump in Colorado, they're going to have to, he's not going to be on the ballot, they're going to have to write it in. Which, that's happened. That's happened before and everything, but it, it's one of those things where you're sitting back and you're just saying to yourself, okay, was this a smart thing to do when you and me and just about everybody else that we know looks at the election process with a, shall we say, a jaundiced eye. We already don't trust the integrity of the process, do we? We don't, we don't trust it at all. We saw it get stolen the last time, didn't we? Yes, we did. And we saw a bunch of courts decide that Trump didn't have standing in certain places to try to overturn these results or try to recount or something like, okay, fine, all right. You guys stole it. Well-coordinated effort. Uh, I'm sorry that the Republicans didn't learn anything from that, but, uh, you know, I, I, I see what you did. I, I get what you did. Maestro, do you hear that hum? There it is. You heard it too? Okay, all right. He's good. He just knocked it clean out. I, I mentioned it one time. Boom, out of there. Anyway. So here we have Trump. He's knocked off the ballot in Colorado for something that he hasn't been charged with. <laughs> uh, section 3 of the Amendment 4. Close that off again. And uh, 14th Amendment, Section 3, states in relevant part that candidates are ineligible for office if they shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution of the United States. Although, it doesn't actually apply to him. But that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, it doesn't apply to him for a number of reasons, one of which is he's never been charged with insurrection or rebellion. He's never been charged with it. He's never been convicted of it. It is very unclear whether this provision is, as they say, self-enforcing, meaning that any electoral official in any state can declare for himself whether a candidate has been an insurrectionist. But they said they were qualified to determine who was guilty of insurrection, so they went ahead and did what they did. And here's the thing. Um, that way will lead to violence. 
They said that they're qualified to determine who is guilty of insurrection under the 14th Amendment without any criminal case or impeachment case. And they say, with no standing, that the events of January 6th constituted an insurrection and Trump engaged in that insurrection. Now, on a legal level, that is an extraordinary reach. Section 3 was designed to prohibit those who had served in the Confederacy from holding public office in the United States. The Confederacy was an armed rebellion against the United States that ended in the deaths of 600,000 Americans here on both sides. Trump, by contrast, made a series of legal challenges to the election, all of which were denied and then claimed on the basis of specious legal reasoning that the vice president could simply throw out electoral slates that had already been certified, then called for his supporters to protest in the Capitol building, and a riot broke out. That is not insurrection. Any more than the hanging chad was. A riot is not insurrection. There's no weapons involved. in. We, we're, no, nobody's trying to overthrow the government. He hasn't been charged with it. He's not been, he, he, he wasn't even convicted in his, in his impeachment trial. And this is, this enters the realm of the unbelievably dangerous territory. This means that there's a bunch of incentives that are put in place for both political sides where it becomes tit for tat. Trump can and will rightly claim that lawfare has been used to thwart the workings of democracy. Legislative judges in any state can simply negate the will of the voters. Joe Biden's own DOJ has been attempting to drag him into court before the election in order to stymie his shot at the presidency. And although Colorado has gotten out there and they think they took the lead, Michigan just rejected that. Gavin Newsom, of all people, is rejecting that. So, with the Democrats, because, you know, the Democrats want to pack the U.S. Supreme Court, this will be one of these things they write down, because when the Supreme Court overturns what the Colorado Supreme Court has ruled, they're going to claim the Supreme Court itself is rigged. So, 2024, notwithstanding all the terrorists we have within our borders and notwithstanding all the... Uh, all the other things we got going on, the financial woes, China, the North Koreans, Iran, the Ukraine. Notwithstanding all that stuff, just this year, next year, just electorally, it's going to be very dangerous. It's going to be ugly. Under what circumstances precisely would the Democrats accept the result of a Trump election? And under what circumstances precisely would Republicans accept the result of a Biden election? All of this because the Democrats cannot live with a set of norms. They are so hell-bent on power, they cannot live with a set of norms. The weaponization of the legal system creates an all-consuming fire. It's just like, it. I mean, art imitating life. We didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. So at this particular point, 
just because of things that the Colorado Supreme Court has done, which they would, the only thing they could do to unwind this would be to get out there and undo their own decision, which they're not going to do. So now we're in a position now, no, to where no matter what happens, whether we win or Biden wins, nobody's going to accept the results of that election. We can only take that for so long, and then things are going to get ugly. And I'm not talking about you know the virtue signaling is going to get more and more. It's going to get kinetic. And I don't know where it's going to get kinetic. I would imagine it's, it's going to start in the blue cities. Because with the exception of prices and a bunch of federal regulations they're trying to enforce. I mean, Biden out there right now, he's, 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 uh, they're going to go after washing machines and furnaces and air conditioners and <laughs> just every modern convenience. All because it's natural gas. It runs off of natural gas. Those have got to go. Because they run off of natural gas. He's going to go after them now. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all these things that are leading to all these things. And Biden thinks he has a mandate. When he's thinking. Most of the time he's not thinking. Most of the time he's struggling to remember. But the, the left is all about this. The left is all about this. So we're going to see. But strap in because uh, this is about to get tumultuous. This is like a, we're about to be in what they refer to as a rapid, rapid deceleration or chaos, if you will. Machine guns. Who wants a machine gun? Hmm. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Well, I, I never really have talked about this because I, I find it sort of a silly subject. But anyway, the GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Um, machine guns, which are actually fully automatic weapons. That's, that's what makes it a machine gun. And uh, this is for something that the very well-heeled can afford this is not a because of a few rules have been put in place now by my reading of the second amendment we should all be issued one to be quite honest with you right but and, and there's two different types of fully automatic weapons because uh because there are um there's the sub gun submachine gun which is firing a pistol caliber and a full fully automatic rifle which is firing a rifle caliber unfortunately these are uh, these are all uh, all of the legal ones here in the United States are registered under something called the National Firearms Act. Now, until 1934, you could own them without any restriction at all. But it was prohibition and the organized crime that birthed from prohibition that made criminal machine gun use newsworthy. And. Uh, the NFA was enacted a year after the repeal of prohibition by the 21st Amendment, and that regulated possession. 
This imposes a $200 non-transferable tax, government registration, background checks, fingerprinting, photographs, and storage requirements, all of which take many months of bureaucratic speed to process. And the same is required for suppressors and rifles or shotguns that do not that are short-barreled, less than 16 inches. For rifles, 18 inches for shotgun, and overall, at least 26 inches for both. There have been attempts to liberalize the law, especially for suppressors, because in, in Europe, suppressors are sold in, in uh, hardware stores. No waiting at all. As a matter of fact, it's considered uh, to be good manners to have one if you have a gun. And uh, even when the Republicans controlled the White House and both houses of Congress, the, our leaders felt it just wasn't the right time because somehow it never is. Then we had the Gun Control Act of 1968, which froze the importation of new automatic firearms. And in 1986, we had the Firearm Owners Protection Act and the Hughes Amendment. Now, during the debate on the on firearm owners protection uh charlie wrangle called for a voice vote for a uh, ban amendment the hughes amendment which stipulated that anything made after may 19 1986 that was fully automatic became unavailable for civilian ownership anything made prior to that was available now I sort of refer to the Democrats as the DSCs, the Democrat Socialist Communists. They have demonized very successfully semi-automatic weapons. So the fully automatic uh, prohibition is still on and still and still functioning quite well. Prior to the Hughes Amendment, you could buy a fully automatic weapon for you know maybe a little bit more than a semi-automatic weapon. Now. You're talking five figures sometimes, and I mean in the high five figures. I know a few, few people that own them. There's certain models out there of the subguns that you can buy that uh, are may, may be below $10,000, but we're talking a lot of money. But you can, if there's one out there that is for sale, which there never are any, very few to be, to be exact, you can own a cruiser belt-fed rifle caliber gun. But what this did was it froze the number of weapons in circulation. They will age and they will eventually no longer be serviceable. But suppressors and short-barreled rifles, they also fall under this. And uh, short-barreled rifles are actually a hindrance. I don't understand why they're... They, they say they're easier to uh, conceal. Well, yeah, if you're wearing a full-length uh, overcoat, yeah, you can conceal it. They're, they're, they're still, they're still mighty big. I mean, you know, a 26 inch thing, 26 inch long instrument with a magazine and an optic and all the other stuff that's on it. It's going to protrude. So this $200 non-transferable tax, uh, this applies to them and suppressors as well. But then what about the submachine gun? That's the question a lot of people ask. And the problem is there's none for sale. And the few that it costs, whatever the market will bear, that means tens, depending on the model, like if you get a minigun, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. 
fully automatic weapons are almost pieces of investment. They are, they sell like they're, they're gold mines. They, you know, all these things happen. Most of these guys that have these things, they have what is referred to as an NFA trust so that they, when they pass away, it stays in the family within the trust. And the trust has to constantly be updated to involve new people. Or else their guns will be lost in a tragic boating, boating accident. Even individual police officers are in the same boat as we are on this. Their agencies can own new, new fully automatic weapons. Military can, but not individuals, and it's a seller's market. The law is driven at the price of newly made weapons for even governmental agencies. But then the question becomes, who actually needs one of these things? And that's that's where uh, that's where I always love that argument because that's that's a that's a prevalent one. Uh, nobody needs any of this stuff. Nobody needs a car capable of traveling more than fifty miles per per hour. Nobody needs a Corvette, but Joe Biden has one. No one needs air conditioning or electric toothbrushes or any of the products or inconveniences we take for granted. And yet, none of those things are actually integral in securing a specifically enumerated constitutional right, which is where these things fall. If you were to go seeking one of these, you should be properly trained in the manual of arms and the various techniques and procedures for loading, firing, making safe, cleaning, maintenance. These things are designed for a specific purpose. Altogether, in the history of all American gun ownership, they've been criminally used by federally licensed owners maybe four times, and that's stretching. These are not bullet hosing mass death machines. Anybody that knows what they're doing with them, they're sending two, three-round bursts downrange because they want to control where they're going, those rounds. And that's about the extent of how long you can actually hold it together and, and aim it at something that's man-sized. But here's the point that I'm trying to make regarding this. Our legislative betters have made the choice whether you can own one or not. Just like some other betters are out there right now trying to tell you they've made the choice of who you can vote for right now. Now, I ask you, and don't give me any qualifiers about this is the new world, this that's so quaint or anything else. Are we free or are we not? I don't think we are. I really don't think we are. The fact that, you know, I hear some of these politicians say, oh, but you, we've allowed you to keep these. You haven't allowed me to keep anything, pal. I was born with the right to have this stuff. What you're trying to do is you're trying to take that away from me. You're trying to infringe. And they do that on so many fronts. And yet we seem content with it. I mean, are you? Are you content with it? So, here's what I say. You need to take a look at what you are actually involved in right now today in these United States, in this country. And look at the laws that your leaders have imposed upon you and realize that you elected some of these guys and uh, we need to take a very, 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 very careful, reflective look at our government. And stop looking at each other. Don't look at me. Don't look at, e don't look at the guy across the way. We're not the problem. The government is the problem. 
Even the heroes, they are our problem. Heroes are good as long as they cowboy up. Until then, not so much. They're all part of this machine that is the government that has taken so much from you. I don't know if you know this or not, but that Chinese spy balloon that we had last year, Biden never intended for you to know about it. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. What a government we have right now. What a government. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. It has been nearly a year since the multi-bus-sized Chinese spy balloon floated over our friendly skies. Quite, quite luxuriously. It entered our airspace on January 27th, and we didn't learn about it till a week later when somebody at a Montana news outlet looked up and put some pictures up and said, what's this? <laughs> and if the Pentagon or the White House had had their way, you never would have known about it. They even planned to keep the news secret from members of Congress. And we get this. The Biden administration planned to keep the Chinese spy balloon that traveled across North America this year a secret from the public and even from Congress and only came clean when civilians saw the massive white orb over Montana, according to a damning new report. A former U.S. official told NBC News Friday, before it was spotted publicly, there was the intention to study and let it pass over and not tell anyone about it. When the North American Aerospace Defense Command saw the huge spycraft enter U.S. airspace, Commander Glenn Van Herc called General Mark Milley, President Biden's top military advisor, to flag the administration on the alarming intrusion. They didn't even want to tell Biden. They knew about it for four days before Biden was informed. The closest they came to bringing him in the loop before that was a tip given to the president's military advisor, General Mark Milley. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was reportedly too focused on an upcoming trip to Asia to be bothered with this, and none of them planned to inform Congress, including the Gang of Eight. And they're supposed to be in the loop on all those things. Now, even putting aside the effort at the unwarranted uh, secrecy, this was an idiotic plan to begin with. There was something the size of three school buses floating across the country at a leisurely pace. We've got people looking up with all manner of things, all manner of cameras and telescopes, binoculars, smartphones. Did they honestly think nobody was going to notice this thing? Now, I know Alaska doesn't have a big population. And the Canadian Rockies, there's not a lot of people out there. But the prevailing winds were clearly going to take it over the larger population centers here in the lower 48. And even as distracted as we are down here on the ground, somebody was going to look up and ask what the heck that thing was sooner or later. And this further just reminds me that the Biden administration is fundamentally just dishonest at, at on its best day. And even if they knew after they knew about it and a reporter in Montana let the cat out of the bag, we were fed one story after another that wound up being shown to be blatantly untrue. 
as recently as June, Biden was telling reporters that he didn't believe the Chinese government knew where the balloon was, what was in it, or what was going on. That was nonsensical. And that was just another case of Joe Biden trying to provide cover for the country that has rewarded his family so well over the years. We're also told that the military had either prevented the balloon from transmitting data back to the CCP or the balloon was incapable of doing so, which that story also kept changing. That turned out to be patently false also. They confirmed that the balloon's electronic suite had transmitted data it collected from military sites back to Beijing. And the officials there said there was no intention to keep this from Congress at any point. That was, a, you know... <laughs> Congress was not fully briefed on that on that until they shot it down. And see, this is the thing. This is my big question. Why would you lie about this? This is some. This is not something. I mean, why would you obfuscate about this? This is not something the Biden administration did. This was the this was Chinese equipment in a CCP scheme. He should have been as outraged as anybody else and taken some sort of action in response, at least for the very most, for the optics of it all. But instead, he tried to cover for China and hide their actions from the American public. Now remember, we know now that there was a lot of correspondence going on with the Wuhan lab regarding that virus that got out, regarding COVID that weaponized virus, that gain-of-function virus. We know that now, and this came after that, and uh, makes me wonder how much more there is to the story. Uh, I mean, how far, out on the, how far out on the limb do you want me to go? Should, should I look at this, and should, should we be saying, hmm, Biden allowed this to happen because they let loose the virus, and we got mail-in voting, and then... It was easier to steal the, re the election when everybody was afraid to go out. Could we postulate that? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. Somebody tell me if you think I'm going too far on this one. So maybe, given the fact that, you know, there had been four years when he was not in the loop about what was happening militarily, maybe the Chinese wanted to know. So maybe they said, "Well, you know what we're going to do, there, Joe. Since you're now the president, we're going to be we we're going to be floating this uh, little balloon here. It's about the size of a football field, and we're gonna we're gonna transmit some data back to us just so we have a better picture of things. We we got good cameras on this. We don't need too much help. Just let it float the entire way across the country, because after all, you're president now. We made that possible. Remember that money we paid you." See, this is the way this kind of thing works. When you got this kind of liability, this is the thing I like about Trump. I like I like different things about some of these guys. I think Ramaswamy might be a future guy. DeSantis is going to be a president, Ron DeSantis. But Trump, Trump is not beholden to anybody. He's not beholden to anybody. He's already done the impossible. And now he's going to try to do it twice. And everybody's fighting him at every turn. He's the only one that can take it. So the Chinese have something on Joe. <laughs> and I think that's why the balloon floated across. And that's why, and we'll probably never learn this if, his, if he and his handlers have their way. There'll be another statute of limitations that expires or something like that. But something tells me there's a lot more to this story than we've actually heard. It would have been interesting... 
It would have been interesting if somebody with one of those Barrett uh, 50 calibers had taken aim at that thing. I don't know if it would actually have made it to that that uh, altitude. Probably not. I'd have to ask. I know somebody has one. I'd have to ask him if he could shoot a Chinese balloon out of the sky. Because what was it? it was it floating at 70,000 feet? It was high. But in any event, now it's hit the drink, and now uh, the the resident, he gets to, you know, he got to have his way. Just for fun, just because I've been looking at it a lot lately, just as I'm trying to get ready to do some things here, I've been looking at military gear. So I'm going to give you the perspective from a cold warrior who won a fight without shooting anybody. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Ah, oh, man, the the kit, as they call it, the kit. Since World War II, the U.S. military has always been pretty lavishly equipped, at least until recently. And there's some, but I mean, there, there's some stuff that I was issued back in the 80s that I, I was actually scratching my head. I used to have hair back then, so I could scratch it. And uh, some of the ideas were harebrained. That, and the reason I'm looking into this now is because I'm now building another kit. Because while I sit here and tell you there's a you know things are going to get ugly, I'm sitting here planning for things to get ugly. So I'm building things as as I go along. And you know we're you know we're talking about all kinds of stuff. It's not just the guns, right? Uh, you know gloves. Back when I was in, we had these leather shells with these uh, liners that you put your hands in and you stuck them in the leather shell, and that was great as long as you didn't have to do anything like I don't know grip something. The canteens. Uh, listen, uh, the canteens. Back then, when you drank out of a canteen, it was tasting like you were drinking out of a canteen. The very best you could do is find the coldest water you could find. And stick it in that canteen, and that would take away from that plastic taste. Then we had something called the load-bearing vest, the LBE. Now, mine is it was configured, had two magazine pouches on it. Our trauma kit was one field dressing on the strap. And uh, we, had, we, we would have two canteens on it. We were lucky we'd find a butt pack to carry some other stuff. And that was it. That's all we had. We didn't have plate carriers. We didn't have chest rigs. We had the LBE. And most of the time, our LBEs would be in this static display, so we would stuff the the, the ammo, ammo pouches with Coke cans to make them stand out. And inevitably, if they called an alert and we actually were pulling the Coke cans out just in case, uh, we had to stuff real magazines in there. We were always having to fight that. Like the angle neck flashlight. That was something that that was our light source back then, and it was unreliable. It was heavy and it sucked. It went through batteries like stuffed through a goose. As soon as anybody got to where they were going, they'd buy a mini mag light and put a red filter on it. Then there was the rain gear, the OD raincoat and rain pants. Which after you wore them one time, it smelled like somebody had thrown up in them. It was it was lovely. We had a vehicle called the Gamma Goat. <laughs> six by six. 
It was a monstrosity. The driver sat on like a, like an, it was basically a bag chair without legs and it sat over the fuel tank. Maintenance people hated it. The soldiers that drove it, it was such a ponderous thing to be moving around. It just, it was horrible. We had something called the extreme cold weather sleeping bag. It was rated to minus 20, meaning at those temps it might prevent you from actually freezing to get death. But then again, it might not. And it always smelled like you'd been in, you know, those chicken trucks that go up and down the road bringing chickens to the various plants. That's what it smelled like. We had this woolen cold weather underwear. I'm almost certain the guy that invented that was a communist, and this was to make me combat ineffective because I was scratching all the time. Mosquito netting. That was, uh, you, you, you would, you would, uh, you know, drape the mosquito net, especially at Fort Polk. You had to have those. And the mosquitoes would see that and they'd hit the ground laughing and then they'd get up and penetrate it. We had something called the Alice Pack. It was not bad if you used it as a piece of luggage, but, uh, if you were road marching with that thing, it was squeaking and rattling and, uh, you know. Then those black leather gloves with the liners. There were some things that came out of it, though, like the M65 field jacket. That's still, if you, if you can find one of those today, which you can, you can find them all over the place, go get one, get the liner. You have a really decent cold weather coat, and it's very good in the rain. It comes with a hood, you know. Um, you, can special, uh, you can spray it with snow seal. It had the epaulets on it, so if you were in a leader posi leadership position in infantry, you'd get little green tabs. The 1911 pistol, that thing sat in there for 70 years and never missed a hiccup, and it was built by everybody. It was probably the best military sidearm ever made. Then there was the lensetic compass. Today, everybody relies on GPS. If you can shoot an azimuth and read a map, you can survive anywhere. You just had to make sure that your second lieutenant didn't get a hold of it. And he didn't, you know, GPS can be interfered with. Unless the poles switch, which that's always a possibility, but unless they really switch hard, you're going to be able to navigate if you have a lensatic compass. And then there's the poncho liner, which everybody should have a poncho liner. You can take a poncho liner, which when I was in the military, I never actually put it in my poncho. We called it a whoopee. You could use it as a pad. You could use it to, you know, you could line your sleeping bag with it. And, you know, a lot of things. You, you could use it as a throw today. Equipment like this, if you're going to be serious about thinking, oh, well, someday things are going to pop and I'm going to be needing this and I'm going to be needing that. Uh, well, you better be building it right now. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that is historical that would still work. All that stuff I said that I didn't like would work today. I'd run out the door with it if I had to. But I have my druthers, so I'm building other stuff. Oh, yeah, the mop gear. I don't have any mop gear. Mil uh, military occupational protection uh, stuff. This is like a charcoal suit with a, with a mask and gloves and overboots. And you would tape everything up. It was You look quite ponderous, and you felt it that way, too. <laughs> on the text line, Bill, 
I'm literally LOL. You're bringing back memories. The smell of the freaking rain gear still makes me ill. I know. All the guys that went to uh, South Korea, they would take those coats. They would buy one of their own, and they'd get a poncho liner sewn into it. And now they had a really serious bad weather coat because it was warm and it was rain resistant and it didn't smell like somebody throwing up in it. I don't know what they did to it. But anyway, yeah, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. Yeah, you don't even shine the boots anymore, though. They're, they're, they're new book. Which, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. I spent a lot of hours shining boots. Spent a lot of hours shining boots. When we, uh, you know, we're, we're the freest country on the face of the earth, and Generation Z can't stand it. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.